The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power in captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com Welcome back to Becky Well Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Still plenty more to get into as far as uh, NFL futures, the awards markets, all that good stuff. But now let's circle back to our top story involving college football and that we have a national championship set between Michigan and Washington. And one more point that I want to make about this college football playoff in general, and uh, we'll hopefully get to Michael Felder in just a bit, uh, but I think one lesson that I learned from watching these games yesterday, Joe, is this notion mm-hmm. of recruiting. Because we have been told this our entire lives. Recruiting matters about as much as anything in college football. But you look at, say, 247 composite rankings and things like that, Michigan and Washington are not great recruiting programs. Whenever I've looked into this, your second year and third year classes are usually what dictate the outcome of your program. Well, in 2021, the Huskies class ranked 30th per 247 composite rankings. And then in 2022, that really wasn't a recruiting cycle for them. So they were way down to the list. But then you look at Michigan, it's 13th and 9th in terms of their second year and third year players. So what does this mean? The transfer portal is a really big deal, and developing talent is a real big deal. And I'm wondering now in today's landscape of college football, if the transfer portal and development of talent, if those two things matter even more than perhaps we anticipated just 24 hours ago. Oh, 100%. And as you're talking, the first thing that comes to my mind and probably everyone else is, well, that comes down to coaching. That means you have a quality coaching staff. They're developing these players. And, you know, when I was studying up on these various bowl games and you're looking at all the opt-outs and uh, transfer portal and all that stuff, and then you get to these four teams that played yesterday, 
It's like, of course not. With the playoff, nobody's going in the portal for the most part, right? Unless we're talking about a second or a third string. And so here's another element which is so great about the expanded playoff next year. Like I, I get both sides of the argument, but here's something else. Not only are we going to have more relevant games, more good games, just like we had in both, both matchups yesterday. So now we've got 12 teams. And so then it's like, does making the playoff trump everything? It, you're not going to lose anybody. It, it's going to be fascinating. So, how is that for the players? Like the guys that are transferring, they're probably going to other schools, right? That are non-top 12 because they're keeping all their dudes and it's going to be tough to beat out those spots. Like there are a lot of lot of different levels to this. I find it, find it very interesting. But yeah, as far as the portal, you're right. It is just as important as and everything, if not more. Like look at the number of quarterbacks that we talked about that went into the portal at some point and they were – candidates for the Heisman at one point they were a favorite to win the Heisman so may I think that's more important than recruiting don't you and there are certain schools and I you know I follow Notre Dame closer and I would look at them I'm like I think that's what they're going to do every year they're going to go out and they're going to find their their starting quarterback that year in the portal one that has some experience under their belt already well, in terms of recruiting, what stood out to me was when you look at the Huskies um, and their head coach, like he specializes in wide receivers and quarterbacks. <laughs> and we keep yeah. talking about how the Huskies have the few, like three of the best uh, wide receivers in the entire nation, being able to recruit those guys, um, you know, retain those guys. He also has coached at other, you know, West Coast schools. So he probably knew what he was doing in terms of the region and had good connections. So I think it says a lot about the job that he's done recruiting for Washington as well. Yeah. Penix, Bo Nix. I mean, these are two quarterbacks that I probably have to believe that many college football pundits believed were washed up, that they had no future in this sport. But these programs up in the Northwest knew something about them. They knew what their potential could be if it was tapped properly. And I, and I think sometimes we worry when it comes to like the quarterback position, where if they're in too many different offensive systems, then it's like sensory overload. They're told too much, too many things to know, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe it's actually the opposite where your mind broadens and expands by being exposed to a lot of different ideas and beliefs and names for things, et cetera, et cetera, to where you yeah. can go to a new system and it can be yours because you're bringing you know, some ideas from here, some ideas yeah. from, say, high school, and then the new things that have been installed in the program that you're at right now. And look, the quarterback position is one where you have to be really, really smart. Breaking news, you got to be really smart to play quarterback. Uh, but sometimes being exposed to different systems, specifically at that position, may be beneficial okay so um with the playoff one of the issues that they had like not only the blowouts that we were getting in the semifinal games which did not happen yesterday in, in the final year of the 14 playoff but going to 12 do you guys think and and i think this ties in with the transfer portal and all that and the opt-outs um, not only do we get better games, more games, more competitive games, it's just going to be more fun and people love brackets and all that. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think part of the problem was with the four-team playoff, it was a cycle of the same teams every damn year for the most part. <laughs> it was right. for a while. When they were on top, it was always Clemson, always Georgia, always Bama, 
you know, Michigan or Ohio State or both. Like it was a it was a list of maybe six teams that that kept getting in, right? It's cycling through. With especially with the portal now and just how you know we've seen teams pop up that were unexpected. Do do you think we're going to constantly be rotating the twelve teams that are in, or is it maybe going to be a list of sixteen teams that are in? I I think with the portal we are more likely to have a wide range of teams to maybe uh, you know in a five year sample it's twenty plus different teams that are participating in the playoff. I love it. I'm all for it. You know, I hope there's more pair. Excuse me, parody, and it becomes like the NCAA tournament where we will have some longer shots and just not the same SEC teams year after year. And it's just like, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it for sure. I I don't know if I buy that it's going to broaden things because I'm looking at transfer portal rankings right now from 2023 and Colorado's mm-hmm. number one because they just redid the whole program, but so much good that did. They still only won four games. But then number two, LSU. Number three, Ole Miss. Number four, USC. Number five, Auburn. Number six, Florida State. These are the same programs that are in the running just about every year with maybe one or two exceptions. And I do wonder when it comes to coaching, which can be very top-heavy in terms of talent and development, resources, that matters a great deal. I wonder if you're combining those other sort of hard-to-quantify intangible things to where transfer rankings are still going to favor those top tier programs. And yes, I think in the first couple of years, like you can have a TCU kind of come in and make a really deep run just because they've mastered the transfer portal. But I think ultimately these other big schools, they'll figure it out. It was one or two years of this competitive imbalance or balance, depending on how you look at it. But ultimately we do go back to the big programs continuing to showcase what they can do. But 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 I'll add that we're also getting a couple surprises every year. And so uh-huh. now if you're mm-hmm. a surprise and you're there, you're part of the conversation, you're going to be in. There isn't any more snubbing Florida State. There's no more snubbing Cincinnati. Like the, last year it was TCU. Like that was the surprise. How about this year? Missouri's in. Missouri's in. Mm-hmm. Like they're locked in. Um this year. And then we're getting going to be probably back to your Oklahoma's being in every year. And if they have any sort of a case, you know Notre Dame's getting in. I I, I kind of, with the portal, I, I think there's going to be some teams and there will be some quarterbacks will be like, look, I they're 20 now, but if I go there, we're going to be in the playoff. And we're going to have a couple extra games. I want to be in the playoff and I know I'm going to be the starter there. I think it's going to be fascinating. Um, and it's going to be interesting when you get to those last couple of spots, are they going to go by true rankings? Or are they going to be like, why not? Let, let's get a, an, a small guy in there. You know, like, you know, maybe SMU one year ends up being in the playoff. <laughs> that would be fun. I would be all for that. I, I do wonder, You'd though. You'd be there. Like, of course I would, 100%. Don't invite uh, Iowa. That's all I ask. No Iowa. Right. Which I'm so we happy don't, we don't Big Ten's going to be tougher. Like, <laughs> They got those losers got shut out in back-to-back games in the Big Ten Championship and yesterday. God, like what is taking so long to move on from Ferentz? I'm so sick of them. This is just a torture to watch. Yeah, yeah. And breaking news: Tennessee's not that good. Like they're they're not terrible, but they're they had all backups in yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Christ. 
<laughs> I know. I know. Uh, we'll try and get back to, to Michael Felder a little later on in the program, but let's uh, do a little NFL now and let's talk about offensive rookie of the year, because while some may have believed that CJ Stroud had this thing wrapped up, uh, Puka Nakua still has a chance here. Uh, per bet MGM, Stroud is certainly the favorite at minus 1,000, but Nakua is at plus 450, and then you have massively long shots uh, after that. So, Joe, my question to you is, do you feel like the Puka Nakua can still win Offensive Rookie of the Year? Yeah, there's no doubt he can. I'm not saying it's any sort of a lock. I'm not sitting here saying that he should be the favorite, but pricing matters. And for pricing at, you know, plus 450 right now, for Stroud to be minus 1,000 at BetMGM, minus 1,200, as high as I see, here's the case. Puka's played in two more games. First off, have that. Uh, in Stroud's return, yes, they won easily, but the numbers were not all that impressive. Uh, over the course of the season, very impressive. Over 3,800 yards, uh very limited turnovers, only five interceptions, 21 touchdowns, 99 quarterback rating. Like Stroud's had a fantastic year, but he missed two games. Puka's going to play in his 17th game coming up this weekend. He has 101 receptions. He's going to set the record on Sunday. He's now tied Anquan Bolden, most receptions by a rookie. He's going to beat that record. He's also going to set the receiving record by a rookie. He is. 10 yards behind Jamar Chase's number, and he's 28 behind Bill Gorman. Bill Gorman's receiving record stood for 63 years, and Puka is most likely to beat it. He's only 28 behind again. The touchdowns might hurt him. He only has five on the year, but Puka's probably going to hit that 1,500 number. He only needs 55 yards to get to 1,500 and I know there's other stuff at stake for the Rams, but they're aware of this. And I think they're definitely going to want him not only break the record, but to get to 1,500 yards. He's going to end up with like maybe 110 receptions. I, I, I feel the pricing's off, guys. And a lot of the reason for the pricing is where the Stroud number was a few weeks ago. Yeah, it seems like they should be co-favorites. You're definitely getting some value on Puka Nakua. I think it also just shows how good of a coach Sean McVay is as well to get him to this point, a guy who many people didn't even know who he was until now. And we were just talking about the Rams. Uh, you could get some value on them to win the conference or the Super Bowl. So uh, I, th- I think it's going to be tough. I mean, you look at, CJ Stroud and they definitely missed him when he was out. Um, and both these teams, the Rams mm-hmm. and the Texans exceeding expectations. No one was expecting the Rams to do anything and nobody was expecting the Texans. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year for them. And here they are um, trying to make the playoffs. So impressive on both sides in terms of, you know, doing more with less. Um, I think it'll be a tough one. Do you think both, um, Texas players can win these rookie awards or is it an either or? <sighs> oh, either or. I, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I think they're kind of different arguments. Uh, you know, when I don't I'm think they're at, say, like, I don't think voters are going to look at that. Like they didn't oh, do yeah. it last year. I don't think they're mm-hmm. going to be too worried about that. What do you think, Ed? Mm-hmm. 
I I think right. Like if it happens, then it's pure coincidence. But I think you know when you're talking mm-hmm. about like offensive rookie. What's fascinating to me is, yes, the quarterback position matters a great deal more, and the Houston Texans were absolutely a dumpster fire. And now, all of a sudden, they could win the division, make the playoffs? Like, that's remarkable. But at the same time, the importance of the quarterback position cannot be understated. Yet, though, I do wonder, given just how good the coaching staff has been for the Texans, how great the receivers have been for Houston as well, if, say, you had a different rookie in there or a different quarterback, and they would still be successful. But with the Rams, you're looking at Nakua and you're like, they're relying on him. They needed him to perform at a Mm -hmm. super high level for the Rams to be in this position. With Stroud, like, he's still a rookie. Like, let's see him do this again so that I can be comfortable that he's going to be one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. I just don't know that yet. And recency bias is a thing. And what what we've seen most recently from Stroud is he missed a couple games. He came back. Let's see what happens. Now, if the Texans win the division, the conversation changes. It's probably going to be to go to Stroud, right? That's what people are going to remember, them celebrating a division win. Rookie, he bounced back. Like A lot of the narrative is going to be there. But, man, this is an enticing number on Puka right now, plus 450. It should be much closer. Mm Mm-hmm. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Defensive Rookie of the Year and Coach of the Year right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you as we continue our look at the NFL awards markets. And now let's get to the defense, and we'll start with Rookie of the Year. Jalen Carter still a massive favorite at minus 700, but just like the offensive Rookie of the Year market, it does seem like it's down to two people, but maybe there is value on number two. And in this case, we've got Will Anderson at plus 375. And Aaron, I know you were asking about Could the Texans sweep the Rookie of the Year awards? And it might make sense just because the Texans, as we mentioned before, an absolute dumpster fire before this season. So specifically when it comes to this award, though, Joe, do you think Will Anderson still offers up value at plus 375? Uh, Let me just say that based on our conversation during the break, I cannot wait to talk about Comeback Player of the Year. Like, Paul, (laughs) there's one week left. I, I can't wait to get to it. Oh man, this is tough. So the the price on Anderson is very similar to Puka for the most part. It's plus four hundred. Um, it's the best number that's available. But I, the way I look at it, yes, is there value on Will Anderson? I believe there is, and I'll explain why. However, I also don't think that the uh, the chances of Will Anderson are better than Puka at winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. If that makes any sense. Uh, Jalen Carter, BetMGM, they're very high on him. They're at minus 700, mm-hmm. but you can find a minus 400 out there. When you line up a lot of the stats that are going to be viewed, it's close to split. I would say Carter has the edge. Carter's played in one more game. Uh, Carter has two more for two more forced fumbles, a fumble recovery. Anderson does not have one. He's got that touchdown, which was in a 
bigger bigger game that people were watching. It was meaningless at that point, but he has a touchdown. Anderson does not. He has one more hurry. Now the Anderson edge, he now jumped him in sacks because he had two on Sunday against Tennessee. Over the last two weeks, um, not two weeks, last two games, he, Anderson has four sacks, but you know, missing those couple of games. Is that going to come back to haunt him? I don't know. The sack edge is one. The TFL edge is two. The quarterback hits advantage. It's 13, 22 to nine in favor of Anderson. Quarterback knockdowns, the advantage is 12, 14 to two in favor of Anderson. So, you know, category wise, it's pretty split, but Anderson has a major edge in a few different categories. So, yeah, I do think there's value, but I also think it's going to be tougher for him to win the award than it is for Puka for offensive rookie. How much do voters, you know, uh, how much stock do they put into missing time? Like, will they factor that in quite a bit, like weigh on that heavily for Will Anderson? I got to think so. One more game. It's one game. I know it's just one. one. And if his but, stats are so much better in many areas, I feel like it shouldn't matter that much, right? I, I mean, there could be this idea of overcompensating. Like, I think it's a lot easier to talk about in, say, baseball, where war is a cumulative stat. And even if you do miss a bunch of time, like, say, Shohei Otani did, like, more than a month, uh, his stats were still overwhelmingly such to where you he had to win MVP. Like, there was no question about that. So in this situation, like, there isn't that one overarching cumulative stat for defensive players that you can point to and say, okay, well, despite missing a game or two, he overwhelmingly played better than everybody else, and so therefore he has to win this award. So I, I'm with you, Aaron, in terms of the question and it being ambiguous. But I also mm -hmm. think at the same time, if you're looking at, say, this head-to-head -head comparison – in some ways, Carter does have the advantage, and in some ways, Will Anderson does in terms of having 19 more mm -hmm. pressures. You mentioned the additional sack, nine more defensive stops. But I look at this award, and I look at individual awards, and you know, stats obviously matter, but the highlight reel might matter that much more. And I think voters, mm -hmm. especially in this sport, gravitate toward that highlight reel so much more so than say the individual numbers do because sometimes that contest context can explain it away and i'm curious if you think joe that just based upon the eyeball test that jalen carter has just a better highlight reel than will anderson does absolutely and and you know what people are talking about here um and and i'm sure it's in other cases uh, other other teams of these these ones that decided to pass on Jalen Carter. Like that mm -hmm. that's a thing. And he's proving a lot of people wrong. And it was about um the character test for a lot of teams. Mm -hmm. But look at the ones that decided to pass on Jalen Carter. Like that's something else that you that has to be considered. And the Eagles moved up. Jalen Carter has been the the prohibitive favorite all season, right? It, mm -hmm. it was early on where there was a little bit of value, but then he bumped up, and once he became the favorite, he has not relinquished that. Um, Will Anderson was the first defensive player drafted, but Jalen Carter, the expectation was he was going to be on a much better defense than he has been. But I don't know that that's going to matter when it comes to this award. I think you're right, Ed. And for Will Anderson to take over, like, okay, what has to happen? Probably at least a couple of sacks on Sunday. 
And maybe the Texans have to win the division too, where they're just like, okay, let's just yeah. give it to him. He's the reason they won the game. I completely yeah, agree I'm with that. And one and, more and thought that I would to... have. No, go ahead, Aaron. Go ahead. I was just going to say, when it comes to Jalen Carter, I think a lot of people are going to remember that uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown. I mean, that was kind of sealed the deal for him, in my opinion. Yeah. If you're looking ahead to week 18, I think one one big factor that I think almost you know gives Jalen Carter the award right here and now is which quarterbacks are you going up against? Are these quarterbacks likelier to get sacked? just because they hold on to the ball too long and there are more opportunities to accrue those stats. If I'm looking yeah. at sack rate for the two likely starters, Tyrod Taylor since 2018 has a sack rate of 8.6%. Gardner Minshew this year, 6.4%. There are more opportunities for Jalen Carter to go nuts than I think Will Anderson. And to me, Joe, I completely agree with you that it is way harder for Will Anderson to win this award than Nakua can for offensive yeah. rookie. Yes, yes. I, I wouldn't, if you're going in without any wagers, you're considering this, like, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of value. I would not bet on Will Anderson right now. Would anybody? Mm-hmm. No. No. Absolutely not. Not at this point. Yeah. No. It's 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 too late. And it's unfortunate because I, I think he could be the better defensive player later in his career. Like, Will Anderson to win defensive player in, in the upcoming seasons? I would bet on that much more so than Jalen Carter. But in the here and now, I could not bet on Will Anderson for rookie. Mm-hmm. So totally agree for sure. All right, defensive player of the year now at BetMGM. Miles Garrett is your favorite at minus two hundred. But unlike the other awards we were talking about, there are really three guys who are in the running here. Mention Garrett. Micah Parsons is at three to one. T.J. Watt at four to one, and then a massive drop off after that. So I assume Joe, you're looking at these three on and these three only. So which one stands out to you the most? Yeah, you know, there isn't any one that you you go across the board and you say, well, they have the advantage here. This this is why. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe this price of minus 200 is a little bit too high, but I would also make Garrett the favorite. Of the three, Garrett's on the best defense. That stands out. Watt has the most sacks. There's a gap. He has three more than Garrett, four more than Parsons. They've all played in all 16 games. That's meaningful. Force fumbles. Garrett and Watt each have four. Big edge over Parsons. Uh, Pass deflections. Watt has eight. Five more than either of the other two. Tackles for losses. Garrett and Parsons each have 17. It's, you can throw that one out. And it's like 17, 17, 16. There's no differences. The, the quarterback hits. It's pretty close with all three. Um hurries knockdowns it's pretty close with all three so what's going to decide it you know um garrett's the favorite he probably should be but i want to say there's value on watt the part that concerns me is that this this sealer's defense has been a disappointment this year and and the only reason i say that there's value on watt is because he has the big sack edge, and that's the first thing a lot of these guys look at, and he's plus 400. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. 
Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus 15% off your first order with code ODYSSEY. So head to B-O-L-L and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I can see the case, but I, I also think you're right. Like the Steelers defense has a little stink around them. Whereas like Garrett and this Browns defense, like this is a Super Bowl defense that they have. I just, ooh, I don't know. I, I think I'd pass on Watt. Yeah. It might I hurt me just one. On yeah. Yeah. I, I think not? there's that, that. There's that element. You like that element of surprise. You don't want to make sure everybody's, you know, getting it, you know, year after year after year. I could not bet on Watt personally. Uh, you know, regardless of sack rate, things like that, I think there can still be value on Micah Parsons, and I might even take a flyer on it. Garrett probably will win this award, but for mm. some reason, I'm looking ahead at week 18, and I'm seeing opportunity for Parsons, and I'm not seeing for the other two guys. Parsons will face the mm. commanders, and Sam Howell, bit of a sack artist. That matters here. Whereas you're looking at TJ Watt, you know, yeah, he's probably facing Tyler Huntley in all likelihood for the Ravens, but so what? Huntley does have a low sack rate, so that matters. And Miles Garrett is facing the Bengals, and I do believe, you know, Jake Browning's sack rate is at uh, 8.7% here. So it's not much worse. It's not that much worse than, say, Sam Howell's. But if you're looking at opportunity for Week 18 and the potential for voters to succumb to recency bias, I think Parsons has the best opportunity among all three of these guys. I don't think Parsons is winning. I, I know what you're saying about the last game. Let, okay, let's say we get a repeat of Thanksgiving. He had one and a half mm-hmm. sacks in that game and a Cowboys blowout. Cowboys blowout, certainly in play once again. Um, let's say it's one and a half sacks, you know, and n- no forced fumbles, no fumble recoveries. Uh, if it's one and a half sacks, few tackles like last time he's not winning this award don't you think he's got to get like three sacks it's got to be that sort of a game and how many people are paying attention to the dallas washington game in week 18 with everything that's going to be going on this week well dallas does have or to win. how impressive is they get it the division? Right. when everyone knows the commander's stink? <laughs> it's 
like, oh, do you just get brownie points for that? Or I mean, well, the Eagles I mean, should it, it, win, but their game. But yeah, I don't know. Right. But yeah, the Cowboys win, then they get the two seed. They win the division home field uh, for a lot of the NFC playoffs. And so I, I, I do buy into the idea that, yes, it will be less impressive because it is the commanders and they may be cleaning house and starting over after this. But at oh, the yeah. same time, like if it is an outlier performance, you have to take that into account, right? Like this is still an NFL team. Like they are still doling out guys with massive contracts and all of that stuff. And also like the Browns, they can't improve where they are. They are the five seed. So is it something where you want to roll uh, Miles Garrett out there when it really doesn't matter. And you could also make the argument that he has this, you know, award wrapped up. So why would you expose him to potential harm knowing full well that, look, it's taken care of. Team awards, maybe even individual awards. What, huh? If we're talking about recency bias, though, Parsons has a half a sack in three games. Mm-hmm. That's that's part of this too. Like, what have you been doing sure. the last month? You might have a good last game, but people, yeah, I just don't see him winning this award. Honestly, I just think it's going to be Garrett. That I get I why it's too. minus two hundred. Like the the way, you know, maybe it's not a dominant vote. So you look at the Pittsburgh game. What what about Watt going up against probably Huntley or a bunch of backups on that line? They are, but it is a low sack rate for Huntley. Like, this is one of the reasons why, like, he's a formidable backup, is he does get rid of the football, whether it's with short passes or throwaways or whatever. So I don't know if the opportunities are going to be there for him, unlike, say, with Parsons going up against Sam Howell or whomever they decide to throw out there, Aaron. Yeah, I I just really think it's going to be Garrett. uh, And there's also a lot of buzz with the Browns, too. I mean, I'm oh, not yeah. going to look at stats, but there's just a, a lot of great narrative surrounding this Browns defense and the whole team for that sake. Uh, that's going to lead way, us into coach next. Yes. Yes. Oh, it certainly will. That will be, uh-huh. uh, that will be fun. By the way, as I was going through my futures to figure out, uh, you know, what might hit, what might not hit for week 18. I think Joe, you mm-hmm. and I both took a flyer on Josh Allen to finish with the most sacks and he's only half a sack behind Watt and Hendrickson. Oh, oh we're going to sweat the, something random here, aren't we? <laughs> I got a lot. Of, I got a lot of Josh Allen. I've got the other Josh Allen too. So, yeah, yeah. I got to be careful. Like, which Josh Allen's are still alive? I don't know that the MV- yeah the MVP Josh Allen's dead now. But we'll see about sex. I, yes. yeah, I yes, used to be is. out uh, on season-long bets because I, I don't like delayed gratification. But now I, it's so fulfilling. <laughs> like, I'm just like, send me the money. This is great. I've been waiting a long time for this. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's it's a, yeah. Get the money. They should give it to us before, earlier. You know, I know right. that Mac Jones. I got Russell Wilson under. Let's go. Oh, this is Beck UL Daily presented by BetMGM. <laughs> we continue with the awards market like Coach of the Year. And uh, suffice to say, we have uh, some interesting arguments for Comeback Player of the Year as well. That's all coming up right here on the Beck UL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.
BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Could it be, might it be, Joe Flacco winning comeback player of the year? We are going to make Paul very uncomfortable talking about it in just a bit. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Let's get to Coach of the Year first, because this one is really fascinating. I think encompasses some key sports storylines uh, that happened over the weekend that we haven't had a chance to really talk about as a group. Uh, but when you're looking at the odds for BetMGM, Kevin Stefanski leads the way at minus 1,000. D'Amico Ryan's 10 to 1, Shane Steichen also 10 to 1, and then you have Dan Campbell 16 to 1, and then many folks after that. So, Joe, how do we bet into this one? Does anybody agree with this? Like this move? I've no problem with Stavansky being the favorite, but I didn't expect it to move to minus a thousand. Um, yes, he's in that conversation. He already has won this award. And and I understand the case. I get all of it. I'm just shocked at the number that we're seeing going into the final week. How about you guys? I was shocked. That's something. (laughs) I know. I don't. uh, I didn't get it. Cool story, bro. um, To quote Eddie (laughs) Grobs, but um, I don't understand it at all. (laughs) Yeah, this should not. He should not be the runaway favorite. I mean. Right? Okay, so, so you're the one who decided yeah. not to pass on Joe Flacco and you're like going to run away with this award? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, and, and the hashtag narrative has been all year long, and, and I've made this point several times, that the voters didn't seem to care about a coach working with a backup quarterback. And there were a lot of coaches like who were not leading in this market who had backup yes. quarterbacks and were like, oh, wow, actually, that seems like a better job because you're dealing with this quarterback who couldn't do anything in his previous team, but now he's going off like gangbusters. It never mattered until now. And we're talking about the Browns, right. and they're not winning the division? I mean, this is remarkable to me. I, I'm absolutely flabbergasted, and this is the first cool story, bro, of 2024, a very important milestone in this program, if I may add. And and in the end, okay, so it's exceeding expectations, right? Well, the expectation was the Browns were going to be really damn good this year. And I know they dealt with a lot and, you know, with Watson and all that. The win total was nine and a half. They have 11 wins right now. 11. And I get, you know, DTR and just everything that they had to go through. But I think it's really close. If if I'm making numbers, it's got to be based on bets, right? Like there had to be some sharp betters that came in and like unloaded on Stefanski or something because I don't understand it, guys. I think he should be the fine favorite, but it should be much closer with D'Amico Ryan's, Shane Steichen, and even Dan Campbell. So with D'Amico Ryan's, obviously this was supposed to be a rebuilding year, but they also got two really good draft picks who are up for the rookie awards. Right. I don't know. I mean, does that count against him a little bit? It shouldn't. Actually, it should be the other direction. Like, it should help him because rookie quarterbacks suck. They suck. But CJ Stroud's been unbelievable, and Will Anderson's been really special. Like, it doesn't work out this way. And I, I feel like I've said the Texans were a dumpster fire like nine times already, but it's the truth. To create stability and bring that into this program that was certainly anything but stable that's gotta mean something and the fact that it's now 10 to 1 versus Kevin Stefanski basically meeting expectations like 
Joe Flacco played for the Jets. The Jets are terrible. They cannot develop quarterbacks and they cannot help quarterbacks to save their lives. Why is it all of a sudden that Joe Flacco is becoming this absolute phenom just because he moved to a different team? A lot of this doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I mean, this is fascinating. I feel like we're going to come up with a list because we should take advantage of this. We strongly disagree Mm -hmm. with minus a thousand on Stefanski. So where are we going to go? I was looking at the other 11 to one guy. It it sounds like you guys like D'Amico. I like Steichen. Look, Mm -hmm. and and the Mm -hmm. case is similar. The the odds should be the same for both of them. They're going to play this weekend, Saturday night. It's uh, basically a coin flip on the point spread. They had the same win total, six and a half. They have the exact same record, nine and seven. I'm actually more impressed with what Shane Steichen has done. What do the Colts do well? Where do they have the advantage over these other teams on a weekly basis? Steichen is the difference. He has lifted this team, and it even in still the first year, we're at a point now where it's like, man, Steichen's going to have him ready. Steichen's going to scheme something up. It, it is a big advantage. The Colts fans have to be very happy. They don't know if they hit on Anthony Richardson, but they know they hit on coach. And that means that dude might be there for at least the next decade if they truly did hit on him. So I I like Steichen 11-1. My question to you, for D'Amico or Steichen, do they have to win the division? That means Jaguars lose to the Titans and you win your mm. game. Because that's, that's interesting. That would help. That would help yeah. be like the nail in the coffin, I think. I had left the Colts for dead to start the season. I was not expecting them to be this good. I I was actually higher on the Rams than I was the Colts. That's how much I thought the Colts (laughs) were going to stink, you know, just a few weeks. And so I think you're right. It is very impressive, but maybe the division winner will be the difference maker here. Can can Steichen win it with a wild card spot? Because they're in if they win. Okay. Right. I don't think so. I think they do have to win the division just because you have really compelling arguments in other places that might usurp what he's done so far. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I think one of the reasons why we were so down on the Colts, again, they were starting a rookie quarterback, right? Like I'm, you know, again, going through my futures bets, I was staring down that Colts under win total going, why did I do this? Well, I was backing into the notion that a rookie quarterback is going to need some time to develop. And it was probably more important for that quarterback to develop than to try and win games. But then suddenly there was a paradigm shift within the Colts, right? Because suddenly you're going to Gardner Minshew, who's an okay backup. He's not the best backup, but he's okay. But Shane Steichen kind of elevated his level with all of these receivers. Aside from Michael Pittman, we don't really know all that well. And it still kind of Mm -hmm. works out for them. But I do believe, though, you do have to win the division. Uh, And even though Stefanski won't, uh, still, though, I think you look at that division, the AFC North, and you go, okay, you've got some really good teams in there. This is more forgivable not winning it versus the AFC South, where other than Jacksonville, we don't respect anybody. So I I do think that it does come down to this. It's basically Uh a Titans and Colts or Texans parlay. Like, Mm -hmm. can we go that far? If you would you rather do a Colts parlay, a Colts Titans parlay, or bet on Steichen? Like I would just bet on Steichen at eleven to one. Or would you rather do a Texans Titans parlay, or just bet on D'Amico Ryan's at eleven to one? I'll just bet on D'Amico Ryan's at eleven to one. Is there room for other paths, though? 
Like, could well, it, I mean, could that's the danger. Something. Yeah, exactly. And that is the danger. And I, and I'm in terms of handicapping this, like what kind of percentage, what's the probability that there is another path for somebody to come in and through opportunity because of a really impactful week 18 game, they're able to come in and the parlay doesn't matter even if it hits. So what we're saying, yeah, like Stefanski, does Stefanski deserve it? Stefanski would be a wild card. And one of these two guys, a division winner. So you got a higher seed. You also have a win total of six and a half in a 10 and seven record. Like that's the kind mm-hmm. of jump that, you know, people look for. And you have rookie coaches that do have a strong history of winning these awards. Like, yeah, it's certainly not a hundred percent. It's not like 90, but I don't know. I think it would be worth it. Like there is that, that big gap um, where I think it's worth it. What, what about, let's talk about the two guys that were favored all year, almost the entire year, right? They were, near the top of the board in preseason and most of the regular season. Campbell falls to 19. McDaniel falls to 85. Campbell's going to be the three seed in the NFC. That's what's going to happen. They did exceed expectations, even though they were expected to win the NFC North. They did that. It was a nine and a half win total. They end up with 11 wins, could be 12. McDaniel, like we said earlier, they win. They could still be the two. So if the Dolphins end up being the two seed and the they end up going 12 and five, and what people remember is them beating the Bills at home to win the division, is 85 to one worth a play? How's your boyfriend look there, Aaron? I mean, he's always worth a play, if you ask. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> Home wrecker. <laughs> what? I mean, this number just doesn't make sense to me. Like, there, just because there's the easy path there of them being the two. I don't get this number. Right. I, I don't either, except, I mean, unless, like, everyone's very confident the Bills are going to win it or whatever, or that, like, the, the, the hashtag narrative that the Dolphins can't win big games they beat the Cowboys. So that probably should have gone away. But I wonder if that blowout loss to the Ravens is saying, you know what, maybe they were just ill prepared. They just weren't ready to to play against the big boys. And that narrative has kind of come back. So in that sense, I wouldn't take a flyer on that one, but can we talk about Dan Campbell for a moment? Because that number really doesn't make sense to me at all. If we all agree that the lions got screwed on Saturday, why is he still being punished for this? Because I look at that number and I go, no, Dan Campbell should be way shorter than this if he's been this short all season long. They won the division. They nearly upset the Cowboys on the road had it not been for an officiating miscue, to say the least. Why is he being punished for this? That's not fair. I don't know. I don't know. Some of it's on him. They got too cute. They tried to get too cute with that. Yeah. Like, I thought, yeah, so he's got complicated. He's got a little bit of a piece of that. Yeah, like, all right, we're going to low gamesmanship. We're going to send multiple guys over, but only have one declare. Like, you left, and then you didn't correct the officials. Like, look, the officials screwed that up, thousand percent, but you did not correct them when they announced 70 is eligible. But they made the announcement. Right? Yes. Right. Exactly. Right. So you had your opportunities to correct them. You knew what you were doing, like with your hidden ball trick sort of thing, trying to send multiple guys over. Not saying he loses the award because of that, but the shine's off a little bit. 
I just think I with no it. criteria, it's still wide open. Coach I agree. There's value yeah. going into the last week here. Yeah, totally agree there. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Michael Felder with his preview of the College Football National Championship game right here on the BetQL Network. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.